This is Communio Sanctorum, the history of the Christian Church, Season 2. This is Part 7 of the First Centuries in Season 2 of Communio Sanctorum. A little note before we get started with today's podcast. If you hear some background noise, it's because they're doing some work in the building where I'm recording this. I would put the recording off to another time, but my schedule demands that I do it now. So, if you hear some background noises, some banging and thumping, it's because they're doing construction in another part of the building. As I record and post this episode, a new movie's out called Logan. It appears to be the last installment of the venerable X-Men character, Wolverine, played by Hugh Jackman. Logan was an immortal who became the subject of a secret military experiment gone wrong. His skeleton was infused with a fictional metal called adamantium that bears the hardness of a diamond. Why, you wonder, am I sharing this? And what's it have to do with church history? Well, I mention it not because I've seen the movie, but because of the name of the church father that we're going to take a look at today. Or I should say his nickname. He was called Adamantius, roughly meaning man of steel, or if you prefer, tough guy. Can you guess who we're talking about? What his more common name was? Origen, a man both honored and despised. Honored because when he was good, well, he was very, very good. And when he was bad, well, he was awful. I've come to think of Origen as a really smart guy with a basically good heart, but who went off into weirdness because of one simple error, which we'll take a look at later. Origen Adamantius was born at Alexandria in Egypt sometime around AD 185, the eldest of seven children. His parents were committed Christians who diligently raised their family in the scriptures. Persecution led to his father, Leonidas's beheading in 202. Origen was just 17 at the time and saw it as his duty to follow his dad's example. His mother hid his clothes to keep him from going out of the house. As he searched for them, she persuaded him to consider that as the eldest son, well, it was now his responsibility to provide for her and his siblings. To do just that, Origen opened a school for the wealthy children of Alexandria. He made extra money copying texts and tutoring those that were seeking to become members of the church. It became clear to all who engaged him that he was a genius. So, a wealthy patron offered to assist him in further schooling. Origen He wanted to parlay his emerging intellect as a tool for the defense of the Christian faith and decided that the best way to do that was by making sure he understood the arguments of the major contenders. And so he enrolled in a school of the pagan philosopher Ammonius Saccas. It was during this time that Origen began putting together his ideas that would later come out in his work refuting the challenges of the pagan critic Celsus that we'll get to a bit later. As Origen's output grew, a wealthy friend supplied him with secretaries to capture his dictation and run his affairs. When Origen was installed by the pastor at the church at Alexandria, a bishop Demetrius, as head of the catechetical, or we might say new members school, Origen began a life of ultra-strict asceticism. He slept on the floor, ate no meat, drank no wine, fasted twice a week, owned no shoes, and according to the ancient church historian Eusebius, castrated himself 
in mistaken obedience to what Jesus said about eunuchs in Matthew chapter 19. Now, there is some debate if Origen actually castrated himself or just chose to stay celibate. Reflecting the safety of travel on the now Roman lake of the Mediterranean Sea, Origen made several trips to Rome and one to Arabia. In 215, when he was about 30 years old, unrest in Alexandria, caused by a visit from the emperor Caracalla, moved Origen to make a visit to Palestine. And while he was there, he was asked by the pastors of both Caesarea and Jerusalem to preach in their churches. He did, though he was a layman. He'd never been ordained as a pastor. When he got home, his pastor, Bishop Demetrius, was livid as this was regarded as a serious breach of ecclesiastical protocol. From 218 to 230, Origen devoted himself exclusively to writing, but then in 230 he again set out for Palestine, where the same bishop pastors as before asked him to preach again. When he declined, lest it create another brouhaha with Demetrius, they offered to ordain him then and there. Well, that sounded good to Origen, so the deed was done. Yeah, Demetrius wasn't pleased, and when Origen got back, fired him and revoked his ordination, claiming that the other two pastors weren't Origen's spiritual authority. He was. Well, that was too much for Origen to bear. And so he moved to Caesarea in 231, where he opened a famous school, attracting scholars from all over. Origen then gave himself to writing and preaching. In 250, at the age of 65, he was rounded up in the persecution under Decius, endured prolonged torture in which they hoped to get him to recant. But Origen outlasted Decius. When he was released, he managed to survive just a few more years, broken over the torture. While Origen left a lasting impact on theology and the church, his by far largest work was called the Hexapla, which he worked on for 20 years. The Hexapla was a massive work of 6,000 pages spread over 15 volumes. It's six versions of the Old Testament arranged in columns side by side, very much like what we call a parallel Bible today. It compared the Hebrew text to the Greek Septuagint translation and four other Greek translations, including one that Origen had found in a jar near Jericho, and which some modern scholars wonder was an early find of the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Hexopla became an important step in the development of the modern Bible and went far in advancing the science of scripture translation. Chances are there was only a single full edition of the Hexopla, which was housed at the Church of Caesarea but was destroyed by the Muslims in their invasion in 638. While the Hexopla was Origen's largest work, probably his most significant was called On First Principles, a systematic theology, the first ever for the Christian faith. Origen merged a distinct Christian philosophy with Greek rhetorical techniques and assumptions that were based on scripture. In four volumes, he deals with the subjects of God, spirits, man, nature, free will, and scripture. The original text has all but disappeared, but a questionable Latin translation by Rufinus and a more reliable rendering by Jerome convey most of what Origen wrote there. With these two works alone, to say nothing of all the other material that Origen produced, well, it's easy to see how he kept seven secretaries busy and moved Jerome a hundred years later to say, quote, has anyone read everything Origen wrote? Unquote. In Against Celsus, 
Origen gives a stellar defense of the Christian faith against the erudite attacks of the pagan philosopher Celsus. Nothing of Celsus remains except where Origen quotes him. And it seems that Celsus, well, he had had enough of this upstart Christian movement and their crucified God. He leveled his not insubstantial genius at clearing away what he considered the foolishness of the gospel. But his what he thought were ace serves into the Christian side of the court were returned by the Wimbledon champion Origen, who sent them back on fire. Really, it was clear that paganism was a dilapidated old shack that needed to come down. Christianity was the wrecking ball that did it. Against Celsus is one of the finest defenses of Christianity produced in that era. Answering Celsus's accusation that by refusing military service, Christians were poor citizens, Origen replied, quote, We, who by our prayers destroy all demons which stir up wars, violate oaths, and disturb the peace, are of more help to the emperors than those who seem to be doing the fighting, unquote. Origen produced commentaries on almost all the books of the Bible, though only fragmentary evidence survives of most of them. His homilies are the oldest examples of Christian preaching. History has assigned many labels to Origen. He was at heart a biblical scholar whose intellect was nurtured by scripture. But this is where Origen also seems to go off the rails. He applied a threefold method when interpreting the Bible. He claimed that the Bible was to be understood literally, morally, and allegorically. Now, there's nothing too, too wild there, but where Origen did go too far was in saying that the allegorical method was the main way to view scripture. Now, in contrast, modern evangelicals would say the literal, straightforward meaning of the text prevails. You don't have to read anything into the text with a literal interpretation. Your goal is to get the meaning out of the text, not put a meaning in. There might be some allegorical meaning to some passages, but those ought to be considered only after first getting a good grasp of the literal meaning. Origen flipped that. He claimed that the allegorical meaning was the primary purpose of the text, while the literal was so obvious, well, with something as clearly important as God's word, there had to be some deeper meaning than just any old uneducated person could get. That brings us to another error that Origen made. He divided people into two categories the mass of everyday commoners with average intelligence for whom the literal interpretation of the Bible is sufficient to help them muddle through, and the intellectual elite and enlightened for whom the lofty heights of allegory opened higher spiritual realms. For commoners, the gospel with its message of the cross and the resurrection was enough, but the elite who entered into the mysteries of allegory could grasp the very mind of God. Sadly, Origen's view of interpreting scripture came to dominate the European medieval church. Other problem areas with Origen were his belief that all spirits are created in the spiritual realm and then find homes in either demons, humans, or angels. He believed that ultimately all spirits would be saved and restored to God, including Satan himself. Most problematic was Origen's thoughts on the Trinity. He conceived of it as a hierarchy. The Father was the absolute supreme God, while Jesus and the Holy Spirit were also in essence God, but were not equal to the Father. And though he attacked Gnostic beliefs, like them, he rejected the goodness of material creation. 
While Origen produced much helpful material, his nudging the church to adopt an allegorical method for interpreting scripture set it on a path that ended up obscuring God's word and removing it from the hands of everyday believers. Now it became the sole domain of those who were properly educated to parse its esoteric truths. Three centuries after Origen's death in 553, the Council of Constantinople declared him a heretic. His works were systematically erased. Modern apologists for Origen suggest that he was only seeking to cast the faith in thought forms of his day. Well, that may have been his goal, but he simply went too far and introduced ideas that were clearly anti-biblical, ideas that a literal, straightforward understanding of the text would have cleared up had Origen let them. <laughs>